Welcome everyone to another episode of Cashflow Equals Accounting. This is your host, George, and today we have David Nadi. David is a real estate investor from Charlotte, North Carolina, and runs Lasting Legacy Homes. David, welcome to the show. Hi, George, and hello, everyone. Um, thank you for having me. I'm excited for this. Um, and as George said, I'm a residential developer um, operating in Charlotte, North Carolina. And yeah, we've been um, doing this since 2017, and we're excited for, for 2019. Well, thank you so much, David, for being, for being part of the show. So let's start with some basic questions, David. How did you get started into real estate investing? Um, so for me, I started right out of college. So during my senior year of college, um, I was looking to go into the capital markets and investment banking. And um, so I realized by my senior year, it was actually too late to really get a, an internship for um, one of those jobs. So um, I actually ended up working at a um, financial management company um, in, in the town where my, my where I went to college. And so, which was great because I could go to um, work right after classes in the morning. But one day I, I just realized this was not what I wanted to do. And uh, my mom actually had saw a real estate investing ad um, on TV and she brought it to me. And she said, hey, you know, we've been talking about real estate investing um, and this is something that I'd like to do. Is it something that interests you? And I was all for, you know, going to the seminar and, you know, learning about it. But it wasn't until um, I had really reflected after the seminar that I did want that financial freedom that real estate uh, could bring. So um, after that, I went full into studying. Sounds great. So tell us about your first deal. You know, what was challenging? What went according to plan? And what didn't go according to plan? And how you got you how you came about the deal? Wow. So we landed our first deal in February of 2018. And this just fell into our lap. Um, one day while I was looking through Zillow, um, of all things. And um, we saw these two like mid-sized bungalow houses just pop up um, in the Nodot Plaza Midwood area um, in Charlotte, and they were right beside each other, um, which was very interesting. Um, so, you know, talking to the owner, we found out that one had a fire in the back master bedroom, um, which was a huge hurdle, and then the other one was kind of like a halfway house for people who are struggling trying to get back on their feet. Um, so those were two situations that um, presented a pretty big challenge. Um, but, you know, we, we knew that we had the, the um, training and um, education to, to go after them. So you get, this, you get these two uh, bungalows, you said. And, you know, what's your mind thinking, right? Because this is like one of your first deals. What's going through your mind? What are you thinking? You know, what's that feeling like? Um, so it was just a rush, man. It was a rush of excitement, fear, and just <laughs> everything's going on in, in my head at once. Like, you know, what if, what if there's a repair that comes up that we don't know about? Um, and it just sinks our whole deal and we lose money and, you know, everything just falls, uh, falls into the, you know, dumpster because I'm not experienced enough 
um, to really do what I, you know, been planning for all this time. So, um, and you know what, that actually ended up happening. Like almost all the fears, you know, it's funny, almost all those fears did end up happening, but through that struggle, um, I just, it's an understatement to say I've learned so, so much, um, through it. So I'm glad I did it. So David, talk, talk a little bit about, you know, what happened, what went wrong with the deal and how did you come out of that situation? Yeah, for sure. So there were a few uh, different aspects to that. Um, so, you know, we, we bought the house through hard money lender, um, got a reference from a, well, so from somebody who was training in the program that we were training in, and he gave us reference for a contractor um, that we didn't vet thoroughly or as thoroughly as we should have. And so during that early rehabbing process, we discovered about $20,000 in unaccounted for structural repairs per house. Um, so you can imagine how um, nerving that was. And so we did have a 10% contingency um, built into our repair estimator, but um, that still took away from our, you know, our expected profits. Um, so what we ended up doing was we made new repair schedules and had the contractor agree to it, signed off, good to go, right? But, you know, as time went on, um, these deadlines weren't being met and um, it just got to a point where we had to reevaluate the deal. And what did you do after that? How, how did you come out of that situation? Yeah, so... Um, so as I, was, as I was saying, you know, the, the project started to slow down and, you know, the contractor, he was, he was still working on the projects, but, you know, we come to him and say, Hey, you know, this was supposed to be done last week. Can we get this done? And, you know, we make new promises and then sign new, um, deadline agreements. And that carried on for, you know, a good eight months until what we ended up doing was just coming to the point where we had to say, what other exit strategies do we have? So we ended up, you know, doing first things first, firing the contractor and bringing in other contractors to see if we could finish the houses um, and if they would take on the risk because that contractor doesn't know what the previous contractor has done. And so we did find a guy, um, but our other exit strategy was to sell the houses um, to um, a, a multifamily developer because we knew buying the houses that they were both zoned as multifamily. And so there was always that idea that if worse comes to worse, these houses are valued, can be valued as multifamily, you know, the property is multifamily land. So that ended up being the, the route we went with and we ended up selling it to a guy who was building condos down the street. So so did that deal uh, turn out profitable for you? Oh, um, yeah. So, you know, it's funny. We ended up uh, making what we would have or what we were estimating to make if we had finished the rehab um, with, you know, no issues, no more issues, no more um, unseen repairs. Um, we ended up making as much as we expected to. You know, I I love to hear that when, when you know, when you talked about, right, the fear kicked in and everything and kind of like your worst nightmares came true. And despite that happening, you still, you know, kept going and you found a way to get out of that situation and still make and still make a profit. 
you know, nice job. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Now, so when you're looking at real estate, when you're looking at deals, how much are you looking at the market? Yeah, yeah, of, co of course. Um, you know, the market is huge uh, for us. Um, you know, we like to stay close to uptown Charlotte um, within a three to five mile radius. Um, it's kind of our starting point. And then we look at the buying and selling history of the neighborhoods um, that we like the most. And we go back about six months for that history. And we also like to understand uh, what projects are currently being done or are in the planning phase um, in that area. So not only city projects, but you know, what residential projects are going up what commercial projects are going up so that all factors in for sure and you know it, as the as everyone has probably heard location 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 so yeah that location is always going to be the number one factor so i want to talk about the lending part of the business because i you know i think for the most part when new investors are getting into this industry one of the reasons why they shy away from starting sooner is because they don't understand how the the money works to get the money to to fix and flip. So can you explain how you went about, you know, getting the, the hard money lender deal? Oh, man, you know, I think lenders can be um, some of the most feared um, parts of doing a real estate deal for sure, um, because, you know, you're hearing, oh, you know, 10, 11, 15% um, interest on something that is a risk on its own without the lender being involved, right? So um, for us, we worked with a real estate agent that was a banker. And so he had a friend um, that he referred to us uh, who was already working in the hard money, um, the hard money field. So uh, we developed a relationship uh, with him and his firm, and we ended up using them to and our own personal money to to close on the deal. So, as as a first time investor going in, what kind of documentation do you need to show these lenders for them to approve you for that for that loan? Yeah, um, for sure. So they, well, for us, we start out with two years of tax returns for. Uh, the majority owners, um, so that's me and Stella, uh, my mom and business partner. Um, so two years of personal tax returns. Um, we also needed to show that we had the capital um, to go after those projects. And for those houses, we were required to put in about 30% of the purchase price. So we had to show them that we had that um, money to put in. Great. So, oh, and, and, oh. and your credit score. Okay. Your credit score is also uh, looked at. Thanks for that information, David. Now, what would be your advice to someone trying to get their first deal? You know, um, my advice for somebody trying to land that elusive uh, first deal is to look to solve the seller's problem or their problems, um, plural. So, if you attend to their immediate needs, um, everything else will fall into place. Like for example, the house that we bought had a fire in it and the seller's, it was the seller's mother's house at that. So even though 
that wasn't the house that we wanted. The house that we wanted was the, the halfway house um, on the right, but we wanted to solve this, uh, the, this uh, guy's problem and help his family out. So we added that property to the deal and um, they were able to move on without the financial stress of fixing the house or you know, the pressure from the city, which is also huge because they require, um, sometimes they require houses to be to a certain code um, when a fire has happened. So we took that stress um, off of them. And I think the second thing I would say um, to anyone trying to land the first deal is to pick a handful of neighborhoods, um, kind of like I was saying before. Um, but when you pick a handful of neighborhoods to look to invest in, you want to see good or great appreciation potential in those neighborhoods and beginning and begin to learn about the neighborhoods in an intimate way. And so um, the more you know about like the specific neighborhoods that you're looking at, the better your offer will be when the time comes for that. And what I mean by that is when you make you you make your money on the buy, and that it has more control over the deal than than you know I thought when I first started because if let's say you buy a property you know too high, well the rest of that deal is going to be you trying to make up for it by fitting the repairs or fitting the rest of the project into a limitation, a limited box, if that makes sense, yeah, so that you can still make profit. Got it, David. So what you're saying is you kind of have your buying criteria so you don't make an emotional decision, right? If it doesn't meet the numbers, you know, oh, man. you kind of just let go of the deal, right? Yeah, you have to, have to, have to stick to your numbers. And you know what, it, when you, when you stick to your numbers, and don't you know go over that that threshold or that number it, it really adds fun to the rest of the project but when you go over you know the project becomes stressful and it, it, as i said it just really takes the fun out of the whole process so now kind of moving into the financial side of, of the business but kind of tagging along that that same question David, how do you mitigate the risk when you're purchasing the when you purchase when you're purchasing the deals? Um, so for us, the biggest way uh, we mitigate risk is connected directly to um, what I was just saying about the understanding the neighborhoods that we work in, so that we can buy at that you know that uninflated or that um, that price that goes over what we know our number is. So another thing we do is we add a 10 to 15% contingency to um, our estimate of the repairs. And, you know, I'm sure most real estate investors would say you usually go a little bit over, you know, something pops up or, you know, um, you want to add a little more um, sparkle to the house. And so that, that contingency always helps out. Um, but, you know, just as important as those things, I would say a great contract is also a very good way to mitigate your risk. If you have a great contract with your contractors, um, when you buy the house, when you sell the house, that really puts you in a great position to 
um, come out with, on top, come out with the profit. No, I really like this. When you talk about contract, talk a little bit about how, how do you go about the contract? Do you hire an attorney? Do you work with someone? How do you do that? Um, yeah, so we work with, so we, we have two things. Uh, we have an accountant and an attorney. So I would say have your accountant review all of the documents that you sign and have your attorney review all the documents you have um, other people sign. So, um, you know, what we did was we had a template uh, contractor agreement, for example, but, you know, for the state of North Carolina, this template, it wasn't specifically made for the state of North Carolina. So our, our attorney looked over all the, all the, uh, wording made sure that it fits this state's um real estate law and then for the accountant um he, he does our taxes and makes sure that we are filing and reporting our company uh to our best interests and so that that really puts us you know we're you we're leveraging their expertise so that we can be put in the best possible position and I, and I love that you said that, David, because I think a lot of people want to forgo the attorney's fees or the accountant fee because, you know, they think they can save a dollar or two doing those kind of stuff. But like you said, it's it's a way to mitigate your risk. And in the end, if you have a bad contract, that can cost you the whole deal, right? Hey, you know what? If we did not have a good contract, we would have lost 70 percent of our profit um on this deal so i i hundred percent would you know from just this one these two deals that we did i know this to be true pay the extra hundred two hundred three hundred dollars you know it's more than worth it the return that you're going to get um when you finally do your deal now how do you keep track of the budgets when you're rehabbing uh, a house? So, yeah, for us, um, I realized that we did not um, have a strong enough system in place um, for keeping up with our expenses. So we, we do use QuickBooks for our operating expenses, uh, but for managing the contractor, um, we realized that we were, you know, okay with paying for materials and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but going forward, it definitely made keeping up with expenses and who was owed what much harder because the contractor could say, oh, you know, uh, you didn't pay for this, but, you know, did you keep all the receipts? And um, it's just really much cleaner to let the contractor pay for um, the materials and then pay for the materials and labor once everything has been installed. Um, and so going forward, we're using um, Google, Google Sheets to keep up with all our project expenses and uh, project reporting. Sounds, sounds good. Now, let's talk a little bit about mindset, David. Um, how much do you think mindset plays a role in your success? Uh, mindset, you know, mindset's everything. You know, I had a general idea of what I wanted our company to be one day when we first started. But, you know, dreaming versus actually fulfilling that dream are obviously two completely different uh, things. So at the start of my real estate studying, 
I, you know, I was motivated enough to read and watch videos about real estate investing pretty regularly, but, you know, as the weeks and months went on, that started to slow down and, you know, the energy for that dream can start to slow down too. So, you know, whatever that dream is, um, it can easily be depleted once you start trying to implement what you're learning. And so I find it requires much more um, than just having that dream, but making a dedication to implement the steps to getting that plan completed. Um, so for, for me, a huge mindset shift um, happened when a mentor of mine told me to read Goals by Brian Tracy. And, you know, that book for me showed that anyone can achieve their financial, their business, or just life goals um, in general. And all you need to do that is um, use the tools, you know, some of the tools that they gave, that Brian gave, you know, me in that book. I just needed to use those tools and the discipline to implement them every day. Um, yeah. So kind of like to tag off that question, what do you do whenever you don't feel motivated or you don't feel like, you know, getting up or get or going to work? How do you get out of that uh, situation? Um, one thing I do to keep motivated is at the beginning of my day, I start with the number 1440. So, you know, every one of us has 1,440 minutes in a day. And, you know, that realization for me helped my mindset in that I don't want to waste those minutes, you know. So because, you know, let's be honest, like how much can you really get done in a minute? You can, you can actually get a lot done in one minute. And if you're letting someone else, you know, waste those minutes or you're using them for something that has a lower impact on your primary goals, then, you know, you need to reevaluate what you're doing with, with the time or how long you're letting that time be used for those things. Okay. I like that. I like that perspective. Um, so usually the way I like to end the podcast is with a few rapid fire questions so people can learn a little bit more about you. Are you ready, David? Uh, let's do it, man. So what's a purchase of $100 or less that has most positively impacted your life? Purchase of $100 or less. Um, you know, I recently made a relationship scrapbook uh, for my girlfriend that cost about 30 bucks, <laughs> And that's definitely had a positive effect. Um, but no, in, um, in all seriousness, um, Goals <laughs> by Brian Tracy. That one has really been the most impactful if I could say one thing that I bought um, under $100, um, go read it. It's, it's, it's really good. Thank you. So what are you not very good at? Um, nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just joking. Um, you know, if, if for me, I would say I'm not the best at pulling the trigger on uh, things that I know after I've done my analysis on it, I know that it's a good deal or it's a good decision, but I'm very analytical. 
So sometimes I can just overanalyze till I'm blue in the face uh, when really I should be trusting in, you know, what I know, what I've learned, and, you know, the numbers, as we were saying earlier. In the last five years, what's a new habit, belief, or behavior that has most improved your life? Um, in the last five years, uh, for me, it's, it's really like the last five months. You know, in the last, you know, few months here, the belief has been understanding that for me to get where I want to be in all aspects of my life, I have to do what no one else can do or will do for me. And that's becoming disciplined about creating a plan for what I want out of life, writing out the steps to accomplish um, that overall goal, and then implement those steps to getting that goal, um, you know, to achieving that goal. So, you know, obviously it's much easier to, you know, write out or to say, hey, I want to do this, this, and this. But, um, you know, when you start to focus on developing the discipline that it takes to be consistent with those daily, um, those daily habits, I think that's what, what really has made a difference in my life is going after that discipline and consistency every day. Great. So one last question, aside from real estate, what are you passionate about? Aside from real estate, um, I'm passionate about my relationship with God. Um, I'm passionate about interacting with people in like one-on-one. I really love one-on-one conversations. (laughs) And what I mean by that is, you know, I love to hear about what other people are pursuing in their lives and, you know, how they're getting from, you know, point A to point B and to that dream that they have and what keeps them going. Um, but, um, uh, you know, outside of that, I'm a big sports fan. So go Panthers, have to say it. Okay. And, <laughs> and you know, you know, over the past couple of years, um, I've actually managed to make a small home gym that I'm pretty proud of and that I try to get to regularly. Sounds great. Sounds great, David. I, I I like those. I like those those goals, and I'm a Panthers fan too. So so we're right we're right on the money with that. You know, we'll we'll, we'll get back to where we were, man. We just gotta <laughs> keep the faith, you know. <laughs> so, David, where can people learn more about you? So people can learn more about me um, uh, through my website. That's lastinglegacyhomes.com. Uh, and also uh, on LinkedIn, you know, LinkedIn, it would be David Natty, D-A-V-I-D-N-N-A-D is in David, I is in Ice. Um, and yeah, we have Instagram at Your Lasting Legacy and Twitter at Lasting Legacy. Well, David, I want to thank you so much for being part of my podcast. I appreciate it having you over. And, you know, I think there's a lot of learning lessons here. For, for new investors and for everyone to learn. So thank you so much for all that. Hey, uh, George, I appreciate the opportunity um, to talk to you today. This was really fun, um, and I love what you're doing here. You know, it's, it's going to help a lot of people, and it's really helped me just from um, what I've been able to participate in. So thank you so much.